on TV, online, and Ognyan Dimov. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and this. This episode may be a little subdued because I'm in a hotel room again, and I'm in Fargo, North Dakota. Living the uh, good life. That's right. Well, to be honest, it kind of is the good life here because the dollar goes a lot further here. Uh, I'm here working on another poker show, and I won't say what it is, but I think most people will be happy to know that yesterday we ordered food from a Jewish deli, and there hasn't been a motorboat in sight. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, I went to the poker birthday party of the summer of the week, and lots of familiar UK faces were there, and Maria Ho was there. We'll cover some of the stories from that and our event recap, and hopefully maybe have Maria on the show pretty pleased. I think we're good. She said if she played the late tournament, like the, the 5 p.m. tournament or whatever, and made a date too, she'd be up late enough but not have to be up early enough that she'll do the show. So I think we're going to have her on the show later on. Uh, I only had one more poker session since the last time we talked. This time I won. Well, that's, that's, less, that's less interesting. We like stories where you lose. I know. That's why we're not going to do a segment about it. That's Yay. it. That's, that's the full story right there. <laughs> I won 100 bucks after buying in for two. That's it. But I did have an etiquette question from that session that I want to run past you guys. I will do that a little bit later in the show. Oh, and James, dude, it finally happened People always ask me, have you ever really pissed off a poker player to the point where he wanted to punch you? Well, after this week, I can answer in the affirmative. Oh! I'm not sure how much of the story I want to tell. Like, if I, I, I don't know if I want to out the person or not. Like, it, the guy did it in front of a room full of people, so I'm not really... I, I don't know. I don't want to, like, fan the flames. So we'll see what happens. So it's kind of almost in the public domain already, so there's nothing to lose by talking about it. There is, except for maybe getting actually punched in the face if I, because the the beef this guy has with me is like on based on nothing to begin with, and I assume that telling this story publicly will only further incite him. So we'll, when we get to that segment, we'll see what I decide I actually want to tell. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm just going to take a massive wooden spoon and stir this situation like nothing's ever been stirred this, before. That's so unlike you, James, because usually you're like, you know, I probably wouldn't say that. You know, I probably wouldn't use that person's name but you really want me to go balls to the wall on this huh i want to basically i'm just standing on the sidelines going fight 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 <laughs> all right we'll see what happens later in the show i'm only two beers deep we'll see what we'll see what happens by the time i get there uh for this week's super fan we got robbie straczynski of card player lifestyle right Cardplayerlifestyle.com. uh not to be confused with card player regular uh it's a, mis- a very awkward mistake i made with him in person <laughs> oh What's it like working for Card Player? They're still around. Uh, actually, Joe, it's Card Player Lifestyle. Oh, sorry, Robbie. He's going to be on the show later on uh, playing against me. And what's his what's his trivia subject? World Series of Poker Trivia. Quite appropriate, seeing as uh, uh, it's still going on. And we'll be going on for several more weeks. Yeah, I'm completely fucked in that category. James, what's going on in the world of social media? Uh, we didn't make a big thing out of it last week, but it was officially our 50th episode. We reached the half yes. centenary mark, and we did get a few notes of congratulations. Craig Tows, uh says, Happy 50th to EPT Not Live. My gym sessions will be dull without you. Uh, Krishnan says, Congrats on making 50 episodes. Who knew yous would last so long with your own show? Here's to another 50. So a bit of a backhanded compliment, but <laughs> but but we'll take it. James, uh, you know that fifty episodes is the least number of episodes that any of my podcasts have ever run. <laughs> 
well, I guess maybe people had low expectations for this one. So we'll take the praise. I mean, assuming, I mean, can, look, it's no, it's no secret that I get paid to do this one, so I'm shocked it's gone 50 episodes. Uh, Megan Joy says, not only am I listening to old EPT Not Live episodes, but now I'm watching Shark Cage Season 1. Give me all the stapes and Hartigan. You're welcome, Megan. Uh, Zach enjoyed the 50th episode. He enjoyed the story of me getting rivered by my protege. He describes that as hashtag exquisite, but Stapes getting sucked out on by a matching pair, hashtag priceless. Yeah, he really loved that uh, everyone doesn't love a chop pot because it's not a chop pot situation I was in. Hey, to go back to the tweet you did before that, you said, give me all the Stapes and Hardigan again. Does that bug you at all that you put my name first? No. Okay, good. Because it would bug me if it wasn't. <laughs> Joe, when it comes to egos, I think we know who I has, got it covered. Who who who, <laughs> who needs theirs massaged more? Um, I need the stroking and the fluffing and the massaging. Oh all yeah, of the above all of the above. Uh, Simon Baker, not the mentalist, feels that there was some unfinished business from last week's show. You mentioned Joe that you went on a date with seventeen dollars in your pocket after losing a fortune at table games at Caesars. How did the seventeen dollar date actually go? Uh, it went pretty well because I remembered how to get a cash advance off my fucking credit card. So I managed to dust off another couple hundo while we sat at the blackjack tables. We did eventually go to my room, but the thing is you can't, you know, on a date that like takes place in your hotel, you assume it's going to end up in your room eventually, but you can't be like, oh, you're here. Let's go to my room. You need to sort of hang out for a minute. So that cost me another couple hundred. But luckily, you know, that's what cash advances are for. Jeff T, the Poker Donk, has a question about the commercial we featured in last week's podcast. Is there a waiting list for the Kid Poker movie soundtrack? Please sign me up. Hashtag motivation. Hashtag take my money. Well, is there is there a waiting list? Um, sadly, it's not a real thing. However, oh. bear in mind that you know it's all it's all music that was uh, produced by Audio Network, our go-to source for production music for any of our projects. So, if anyone would like the track listing, I'm sure we can provide it. And you go to you can go to audionetwork.com and knock yourself so, out. So, are you saying these tickets I bought to John Williams conducts a live <laughs> orchestra to the Kid Poker soundtrack at the O2 Center? These are not real. <laughs> That is an awesome idea that we remove the music <laughs> from the soundtrack and have a live orchestra accompany the life story of Daniel Negreanu. We'll get on that straight away. Um, you know how we always ask our superfans to keep us updated with how they do with their Stepsy ticket? I'd yes. like to thank Christopher Bean for being the first to give us a, a real-time update. Christopher managed to spin it up to Step E, but at that point the dream was over. Got to Steppy, played in a player's choice tournament for a 1,500 euro package, but finished in fifth place. Was confident I was ahead after the flop with a pair of kings, but a dude hit a three on the turn to make a set. But he says, thanks for the chance, EPT Not Live. Christopher, congratulations for getting that far. I'm sorry you fell short at the final hurdle. Sounds like he actually made it to step F, as in fuck. Yeah. And finally... Andy Gibbons tweets two words which have no right appearing in the same sentence. Joe's right. Hey, nice. What am I right about? Studio Ghibli did a take on the borrowers a few years back called Arietti. My neighbor 
Totoro is still the best. I've ordered that on Blu-ray. But yeah, I'd, I'd heard of the movie. I didn't realise it was an adaptation of The Borrowers. So when you asked last week, did Studio Ghibli do The Borrowers? The answer to the question is yes, but they changed oh, the title. Awesome. I actually hated it. I thought it was awful. I haven't seen so it. If you watch it, maybe you can maybe you can tell me why I'm wrong. James, did you see that um, someone tagged us in a WSOP update where the title was Not Everyone Loves a Chop Pot? I haven't seen any of the updates from the World Series because I don't have a Facebook account or a Google Plus account. But yes, thank you to whoever sent that update through. And also, Daniel tweeted a picture of himself today that's with a shirt on that says don't be a and then a picture of a clock and then the word sucker on it do you remember when i now okay so i joke about things i may have coined or didn't coin don't be a clock sucker is definitely my thing yeah but the problem is you give these sayings to the poker community like you know when you gifted all you need is a chip and a chair that was your contribution to poker so people now just take whatever you say and think it's public domain James, the reason why I give it is because there's nothing else I can do. So I have to like look like look like you know the the benevolent <laughs> phrase sure, giver. But as you pointed out, what if Daniel now monetizes this and starts selling these t-shirts? I realized my tweet back at him kind of looked passive aggressive, but it wasn't meant to be. I am genuinely glad that someone's using the phrase. Like, what else can I do? Like when people say not that I'm the first person to ever say story checks out or hello, my babies, or don't be a clock sucker, like whatever. But when people do it, or congratulations, there's another one. I like it. Like it, I am genuinely happy about that. And I do agree with the shirt. Don't be a clock sucker. Uh, Joe, you mentioned at the top of the show that you did play some poker. We're not going to go into detail, but you teased us with an etiquette question. This is my area of expertise. So hit me, baby. Okay, so here's the situation. My parents went away on a week's vacation. No, sorry, that's an old Will Smith song. Um, the situation is that I'm playing poker at, uh, at Harrah's uh, in a tournament, and um, I am conversing with a friend who invited me to play this tournament and a few other people who are um, aware of who I am, right? We're having, we're having a good time. Just to double check, are these people at the table or are they on the rail? They're at the table. They're okay. all at the table. Because I've had an and issue in the past where I've been speaking to someone on the rail and someone called the floor on me saying I was distracting them because I was talking to someone who wasn't at the table, which was ludicrous. This is not far off from that. So what happens is, James, you've been around me playing poker many times. I can tell you I wasn't behaving any differently than I normally do. I, you know, I am, I'm a louder person at the table. I don't think I'm obnoxious by any means. I'm like probably still quieter than Sam Grafton in a library. Um... And I was like just having fun and like reacting to things that were happening. And the guy sitting next to me asked me if I would quiet down. Oh, tell him to go fuck himself. Okay. Now that was my first reaction. And then he had like what seemed to be like an infallible reason for it. He said, I have an, I have an ear injury. And every time you get excited, it really hurts my ear. What do you do in that situation? I'm calling BS on this. That's kind of what I wanted to do too. I mean, look, I would say if that is the case, I'm sorry, but you can't go to a crowded casino and play at a ten-handed poker table and expect silence. So if you genuinely have an ear injury or in recovery, maybe playing a poker tournament in Las Vegas is not the best thing to do while you're on the road to recovery. See that? And that's, you know, and that's... 
I, that makes perfect sense to me. The problem is that like, even though I'm like not super confrontational, I'm just not really that good at it. And I, gen- I generally just want to be like a nice person. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess. I, I basically would, in all him, honesty, Joe, my reaction would be in that situation. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And I'll try to not raise my voice, but I'm not going to sit here in silence because that's not what this is about. That's exactly what I said. I said, look, man, I'll try. I'm not going to intentionally mess with you and your dodgy eardrum, but I, you know, I, I'm like a paying customer here too. Um, and luckily I went broke like a hand later, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> um, speaking of not being confrontational, I guess it's just time to get into this. And I still haven't decided what I'm going to tell. I'm not going to tell, but it finally happened. I was working on the GPL. What I'll start off by saying is someone on the first week of the GPL, right? So it happened between day one and day six. I did six days of GPL. So that's what, 12 players it could potentially be. Um, I had heard from, first of all, when I walked past him um, before I got into commentary, he looked at me and he said, hey, man, take it easy. And I thought he was joking, right? I thought he was joking. I thought, I really thought like everybody got my shtick uh, because I don't really make personal. I do make some jokes that some people could maybe take offense to, but I don't really make it personal and I don't really criticize people's poker that much. Um, So he said, take it easy. So I thought he was joking. And then my co-host, Eric Danis, um, was like, I think so-and-so may actually have an issue with you. And I just happened to be in the office early in the morning one day and he came in for some reason. I don't know why he wanted to talk to Dreyfus about something. And I was like, hey, man, are we cool? And he just looked at me and he was like, no. Oh my God. No, we're not cool. I've never liked you. I never understood what people saw in you. I don't find you funny. And last week when I was on the show, when I was on the GPL, you made fun of my name. You made it personal. So now it's personal between us. And I was just like, whoa, what? What are you talking about? And he just went on and on about how he's like, say what you will about my poker. And I was like, well, I don't really criticize your poker. And he's like, yes, you do. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you made it personal and you made a joke about me in the GPL draft that I didn't like. And I was just like, oh. And the thing is, I couldn't bring myself to apologize, right? So like, I don't know if you remember, James, like uh, back in, uh, what was the last stop? At the grand final, I said some stuff about Vanessa Selbst that were uh, that was unfair, and then we got I got back after being on a break, and I was like, you know what? I was a little unfair to Vanessa. I didn't really I kind of misread the situation. I didn't look at both sides of it, and I shouldn't have done that. And so, and when I'm in the wrong, I don't really have a problem apologizing. In this particular case, I couldn't bring myself to say I'm sorry to this guy. Like James, like when I made that when we did that sketch, right, where I said James Thames, like. I made fun of your name. Is that personal? Is that something personal about you? But also that is your act. Um, I'm I'm intrigued because you said earlier that this happened in front of people. This is in a room where other people are listening. So they're overhearing this. They're, They're listening in on this rant. Yeah, so what happened was that like it was early in the morning, so there's only one other guy, and it's the guy that does like the, the software programming for the GPL. But as this was happening, people were starting to come into the office. So I like so Eric Danis walks in the middle of this, Laura Cornelius walks into the middle of this, and everyone immediately sees what's happening and like slowly backs out of the room. Like nobody wanted to be around for this. And he eventually ended up saying to me, I want to punch you in your face. Oh, my God. I have to ask. I mean, 
Alex surely has to arbitrate the situation to a certain degree because he's got one of his players, one of his kind of, you know, the people he's managed to bring in and convince to, to join the GPL. And he's got someone that, who he's hired to be the on-air voice of the summer series. So surely it's in his interest to mediate here and try and find a way forward. Yes, except for the fact that Alex actually hadn't arrived yet. Ah. He was there early. Um, I have a key to the building so I can do the podcast. So I was first person there. I let in the programming guy. Um, and so Alex wasn't there yet. So this so this guy's like berating me. And the weird thing is I'm not good with confrontation. I'm really not. Like I, I refuse to apologize, but I also I don't really like I'm not really trying to get very many digs in. But what I said to him was I was like, look, man. I've done hundreds of episodes and thousands of hours of commentary. You are literally the first person that's ever had an issue with me, or at the very least, that's ever brought it up to me. And that, at that point is when he told me that he wanted to punch me in the face. Now, I'm not the kind of person that's going to twist his words and say that he threatened me, because he didn't. He said that he wanted to punch me in the face. I really don't take that as a threat. And But what it does do, though is it kind of ruins your credibility like for whatever problem you're you seem kind of unhinged like i get having a problem with me and i'm willing to listen to it but then when you say that like oh it makes me want to harm you physically i'm like well you're probably like kind of out of your mind to begin with so he was like look i said i, I want to punch you in the face i'm not going to but you asked me if you're if we're cool and we're not cool so you asked and i told you and he kind of like stormed out of the room and the problem, the real problem I had with this, James, is that that day I had booked uh, a, like, a, like a really big audition in L.A. for like a, another show in, on MTV. And I was, I'd come into the office early so I could write like my audition monologue. And after this happened, I just couldn't focus. Oh, no. Like it was just all my, my, you know, the hairs in the back of your neck are standing up, your heart's racing. You're just so thinking about all this. He may not have punched you in the face, but he has ruined your career. Yeah, he did. Like he definitely messed things up. So whatever. Good for him. I didn't even think about that. Like maybe he got like a little bit of revenge there. So James, after saying all this, are you going to try to make me say the name or not? No, I don't feel the need to do it. Okay. I think that people, look, people can take a look at the lineup for that week and see who that's likely to have been and whatever. Cause, and as I said to him, I, I basically went, look, man, I can't really apologize for the things I've done, but if you really have that big a problem with me talking about you, I don't have to talk about you anymore. I'll just play it straight. I'll just say your name. No jokes. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, Cause to be honest, if he had approached me in a reasonable way and said like, look, man, like I don't. I I would appreciate if you like just didn't make any sort of fun comments about me anymore. I would have been like, okay, cool. So I just, for bare minimum, for for the sake of you know wanting to keep the peace, I was like, I'm just not going to say anything about you anymore. So that's what it is. Th that's where I left it. Well, let's stick with the city of Las Vegas, Joe, because it's time for this week's poker news. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. Dateline Las Vegas. As Jason Mercia wins his fourth World Series of Poker bracelet. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to talk about this. I mean, congratulations, Jason Mercia, and well done, and it's awesome. But this has kicked off a whole shitstorm of drama on Twitter that really, I don't get paid enough to, to deal with this stuff anymore. I'm too well known and not paid enough to get into all the drama. So congrats, Jason. 
I do or do not hope you win two more. <laughs> Impartial to the last. Uh, there's another bracelet I just wanted to talk about quickly. I don't know whether you saw, Joe, but Neymar Jr. dropped in on the World Series of Poker, got together a, a game with some of his mates. I think yep. the World Series very kindly put up a, a main event seat for the winner. Neymar won it, and then they gave him a bracelet as well. Wait, he got, wasn't it like four people playing it or something? It was, I believe, an honorary bracelet, but even so, I mean, come on, that smacks of, you're rich and famous, have a bracelet! I mean, what? whatever, I mean, did you see the video of Jeff Gross uh, juggling the soccer ball with Neymar? No, I've missed this. Okay, yeah, Jeff Gross posted it to his Facebook, and a couple people have shared it, and you'll probably see it eventually. Uh, they're sort of like juggling a little mini soccer ball back and forth. I just thought it was kind of cool because earlier that same day, Jeff Gross was playing in the cube against uh, Felipe Ramos, and the two of them were playing with that same soccer ball, and somehow it made it from the GPL studios down to the World Series, and then Neymar's playing with it a few minutes later. I was like, I know that soccer ball. Uh, anything else in the world of poker you want to cover before we get on to our event recap? Yeah, so I, New York did something with online poker. The the how the sen- the Senate in New York or something ratified fifty three to five. We uh, were like halfway to have an online poker in New York. Wow, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I was for a while following everything that was going on in America with various states uh, legalizing and licensing online poker, but it's been such a clusterfuck, and there's so much lobbying and special interest parties and allegiances and oppositions that. It just does your head in after a while, so I've kind of tuned out. So this is good. I'm glad to hear this. Thank you for bringing this news to my attention. Yeah, welcome to America. I mean, everything is a clusterfuck and gives you a headache. Uh, And kind of what I'm really excited about, and maybe this is a pipe dream, but New York and New Jersey have obviously have like a pretty special relationship where the two of them are sometimes interchangeable. It'd be really cool if we get online poker in New York and then they could combine with New Jersey because I think people in both places would appreciate that. So we'll see what happens. That would be awesome. Look, I went to a party this weekend, and to be honest, there's no events going on on our tour. This is the biggest event I went to. Katie Lindsay, a.k.a. Mrs. Mormon, a girl I've known for like 10 years. We both worked at Poker Wire together like back in 2006. She had her birthday party. She was kind enough to invite me. It's kind of the poker event of the week. So let's do a little event recap. Event recap. Event recap. And now let's welcome to the show one of the guests of honor from that party last weekend, Maria Ho. Hey, Maria. What's up, guys? Maria, thanks so much for being on the show. Before we uh, get to to talking about last weekend's party, uh, you just uh, made day two of an event? I did. 3K6 max. I'm still in. And what is that? Like, how many more days do you make the money? I don't know how these events work, really. Well, Joe, uh, I think there's about 230 people left, 155 make the money. So tomorrow we will make the money and uh, hopefully final table the day after. I like I like your positive attitude. What uh, What's your WSOP record so far? We, do we have any caches? Yeah, I have three caches um, over, I think, eight events. Uh, so not bad. Uh, not a bad start at all. Has the World Series really only been running for two weeks because it feels like two months? 
Um, I think it only feels like two months because of everything that's going on on Twitter surrounding the WSOP. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any three bracelet bracelet bets? <laughs> I have zero bracelet bets. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I and I'm happy that I didn't get involved in any of the, the side action. I've always been tempted, but no, never done it. Have you had serious offers? Um, no, but I've like, I've definitely entertained just like when people start throwing out stuff on Twitter a few months leading up to the series. I'm always like, I think that's a good bet. I think I want to, you know, get some of that action. But, you know, I'm always just like, you know, what? I'm just going to like do my thing, focus on my own stuff and not bet people against other people or myself against all these other people. Like, you know, just do my own thing. And while we're talking about the World Series of Poker on Twitter, are you utilizing the valet service by any chance? No, you know, the valet guys, they all like know me from previous years and they're all like, why don't you valet anymore? And I'm like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't valet anymore, but why are you asking? Have you seen at WSOP valet? I, I've seen a few people retweet tweets from there, but I don't actually follow that account. So maybe am I missing out on some Twitter gold? One one in 10 is, is very, very funny. And I'd say the rest are range from the kind of, you can easily ignore it to the mildly entertaining. Ah, okay. It's not really, it's not really the valet guys though, right? No, it's a parody account for sure. But it's, it's what's frightening is like all good parody accounts. There's an element of believability in everything that comes from their work, from their mouths. Yeah, I feel like there's way too many parody accounts to, in poker now, though, that I'm just like, mm, I'm good. Marie, I wanted to pitch you a parody account that since I was trying to eat healthier this summer, I was every t- I've had like a dozen salads, and every time I I eat one, I take a picture, and I wanted to <laughs> to do a parody account called the World Series of Salads and have people send me their fucking healthy. F- food photos and i can rate them what do you think of that um i would <laughs> i'm gonna say that that's probably one of that can't be the worst idea you've ever had but it's not a great one <laughs> joe were you sober when you had this particular idea of course i was sober i was eating a goddamn salad <laughs> think i'd eat a salad if i wasn't sober <laughs> christ's sake no joe only eats johnny rockets when he uh, eats johnny rockets when he's drunk so definitely he was sober when he ate a salad Exactly. Let's kick it. Let's kick it back to the GPL for a second. Things that I'm actually upset about. Maria, you seem like you got real tight with Aaron Paul during the GPL. What was it like taking him to the airport? Did you guys talk about me? Do you think he liked me? Um, I don't think he even knew you existed. Um, (laughs) Definitely never mentioned anybody named Joe. Um, no. Um, Aaron had like Aaron was so excited about obviously you know winning two to one um so he really spent most of the time just kind of talking about you know how much fun he had and how intense the whole experience was for him and uh, how he's ready to play more poker basically i did this thing with aaron paul james um and maria may or may not have witnessed this is that a few times in my life when i've been around super famous people that i really want to talk to i'm afraid to like be clingy and talk to them too much and so i end the conversation awkwardly early like so as i was leaving the studio that day he actually was like trying to talk to me about my car and i was like see you later man nice to meet you (laughs) I like. I oh, I remember my, that. <laughs> I like yeah. jumped into my car mid conversation because I like did want to be clingy. <laughs> it's so silly! Oh my god. Yeah, I totally remember that. That actually did happen, James. And um, yeah, 
you missed your chance to uh, give Aaron a ride to the airport yourself. He was asking you about your car. Joe, we're going to go. We're, we're going to go full De Niro on this one. You had your chance and you blew it. No, it's fine. It's fine. I thought I would take. I would take what I did over going past the close any day. Maria, let's let's talk about uh, the party from last Saturday. And I just wanted to thank you uh, for being the one person that I don't have to worry about being awkward around. <laughs> Because I realized, like, I don't know how to behave at those parties. Have you looked at the photos? Yes, I have. They're amazing. Have, have you noticed how many of the photos? Now, I know everyone, they look at the photos, or they look at it as themselves. Have you noticed how many of those photos, like, I'm just, like, creeping in the background? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm, I, I mean, I don't know why I didn't realize that that's what you were doing in all the photos. No, but. No. Joe actually sent me a collection of photographs and actually set me a challenge, <laughs> which is, can you spot the theme? And the theme I identified was creepy looking guy in green suit awkwardly touching himself while staring at girls. And the thing <laughs> is, I can't really argue with that because like that is the theme from at least from the photos I sent to James. And so I just want to say thanks because I know you're the kind of person like I can attach myself to you and you won't think there's anything weird about it. So thank you, Maria Ho. You're welcome. I'm glad that I could be that for you. I, I was hoping you could give me some advice because like... You can attest to this. Now, the girls at this party, yourself included, although you were, I wouldn't say you were conservatively dressed, but you were more conservatively dressed <laughs> than some of them. Some of them had full-on see-through dresses. One girl, her like entire butt was hanging out like it was like she was wearing a bathing suit. And I don't, like, what am I... What am I supposed to talk to that girl about? Like, I can't, I can't do small talk with someone whose, whose butt is 85% exposed. Help me. But I think the whole point is like, I think if you can, I think sometimes women will wear clothes like that just because they're like, you know what, if some guy can come up to me and have a conversation with me and not basically look at how little clothing I have on and just, you know, look into my eyes, have a real conversation, then like, they're like, yeah, then I want to sleep with that person. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's a test. I, it's really just a test, Joe. I think you failed by not even well, trying to talk to them. That that's okay, and I don't mind failing because the other thing is that, like, I also don't know how to behave in those situations because, like, the only things that I have to offer potentially are, like, conversation, and it's not the place for conversation. Like, I can't tell you, like, how many times I've made a joke and someone's like, what? What? Yeah. Uh, we, probably, yeah. we probably need to set the scene a little bit and explain why there sure. were scantily clad girls and why Joe Stapleton was wearing a green suit. This party had a theme. Yes, the theme was disco. Um, and so, you know, I felt like the guys all kind of went with like, you know, all the real like typical, but, but like out there disco type way attire. It was, you know, wigs and you saw Joe's green suit and, you know, platform shoes and things like that. But then all the women just kind of took it upon themselves to go like the hot, sexy disco route. So I kind of think that that's kind of the backdrop for all of this. All the girls dressed like legitimately hot, sexy, sexy 70s, like sort of Studio 54 porn stars. And yes. all the boys dressed like silly 70s. Like kind of Austin Powers-esque. Yeah, like that 70s show. Just like really stupid. My outfit, I think, being the stupidest of all of them. 
Um, and, and I so, believe, yeah, so- while we're on the subject of your outfit, Joe, there is a reason why you are fiddling with yourself in all those pictures. <laughs> so, Maria, in one of them, like the one I posted on Instagram today, like I'm definitely like touching myself in the photo <laughs> while I'm hanging out in the background. And I just want to go on record as saying that. So my costume pants didn't have pockets in them. And so I had to wear them over my shorts, which did have pockets in them. And my phone is in the inner pocket. So in all the photos, I kind of have my hand on my phone. But it looks like I'm stroking my leg constantly. So I just wanted at least to one of the of the grills who was at that party. Again, but I don't have to explain myself to Maria. Maria, do you remember... When um, you were telling me that, like, I, you're like, I think Katie's trying to set you up with one of one of her friends, and then you brought her over. And yes, then she I said, do remember that. How long did that conversation last? Oh, uh, like fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm so glad you remember it the way I did. That means that my memory is accurate. Yeah, she came over, she said hi, and she immediately walked away. So. Uh, that's kind of how things went for me at that party. There was another girl at the party I ended up trying to hit on, and I don't feel I, I won't say her by name just because I don't want to put anyone on the blast other than myself. Um, and it was I couldn't tell if she was just tolerating me or not. But at one point, I uh, found like a, a big gold chain with an S on it, and I gave it to her, and she put it on. And I was like, "My last name Stapleton. I own you now." Obviously, like as a complete joke and I don't think she took it as such because she immediately took it off and threw it on the ground and it broke. <laughs> Are you, wait, where was I? Are you serious? I did not see this happen, but that is amazing. Yeah, that was, um, that was just basically how my night went. I said, for the photos you've sent me, Joe, are mainly of uh, scantily clad girls. There were very few crowd shots, but I'm assuming that this was a party that was populated by some of poker's finest. Yeah, absolutely. Maria, tell me if I let people, if I forget anybody, but Mormon was there, Neil Farrell, Craig McCorkle, Toby Lewis, Jake Cody, Adam. Is it Levy or Levy, Maria? Do you know? I go with Levy, I think. Okay, we're going to go with Levy. Christian Harder who I love his yeah. name because it sounds like something that a, a priest would tell you. <laughs> You're not Christianing hard enough. You need a Christian harder. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, did, did I miss anybody? Um, uh, Mose and Tarania. Yes, of maybe. course. Mose and uh, Sasha, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of poker players were there. And why was it that you were leaving relatively early? Because everyone seemed really intent on going to a strip club. And I know that you're like not completely opposed to going to the strip club, but you went home too. I did. I left early because I was in day two of the Millionaire Maker. So um, I was just trying to be a good girl and get some rest. And the next day, were you happy with the decision you made? Sure. Because I was short stacked. And then I uh, that was uh, that represented my third cash of the series. So I was able to uh, get in the money on a short stack, and uh, and then I played another tournament after. So no, I mean, there's so many opportunities during the WSOP to go out. Like I don't need to jump at every opportunity to stay out late, and I'm super focused on the pokers right now. So I'm assuming Maria that you abandoned before things got really messy because I'm just going to throw it out there that the combination of Cody, Lewis, Farrell, Mormon, surely this ended not well. So I got there after I bagged day one of the Millie Maker, which is about 1130, and everybody actually seemed really intoxicated already. So I can only imagine that uh, things got 
uh, real sloppy from there on out. So no, I am glad that I left early because I don't know, I feel too old for that a little bit. I'm, I'm like too old to get really, really sloppy drunk. I'm just like, I'll have a few drinks and then I will go to bed. Hey, Marie, I told you that we would only keep you for a little bit because I know you got a day two tomorrow, so it wouldn't be one of uh, an appearance on the show unless I had you play a stupid game. Are you ready for round two of Know Your Hoes? <laughs> yes. Okay, here we go. Now, this tri- this is a trivia game where all of the question answers begin with a hoe sound, okay? That's all it means. I will give, um, I will give James an example question uh, so just so you know how the game is played. James. Joseph. What does Beetlejuice refer to himself as? The host with the most. Got it. Nailed it. Okay, here we go. Know your hoes with Maria Ho. Question number one. According to a 1999 Sandra Bullock movie, what floats? Um, Hope. Hope floats is correct. One for one. Question number two. The author of the Iliad, the Odyssey, and Dope! Homer? Correct. Homer is correct. Here we go. (laughs) Question number three. If you regularly attend church, you might know this person as being in the highest. Hosanna. Correct. Three for three. This makes me feel so good. People do so bad at my games. Here we go. Uh, Question four. This delicious hostess treat consists of a round chocolate cake with a cream center. Ho-ho's? Ho-ho's is correct. Four for four. Two more questions. They are... uh, The last one's pretty tough, though. Second to last question here. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Oh, no. I was on a streak. Um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's located on a dark desert highway. Um, nope, drawing a blank. Uh, we're looking for Hotel California. No, I... I knew that one. Why are you I trying know. to ask me these questions like at 1 a.m.? I would do so much better at That's 11 what he does. p.m. I really, right. this is my main time for talking to pretty girls is 1 a.m. Last question. This is a, this is the toughest one, Maria. So if you can't get it, don't worry. This is a common Canadian insult. Oh, wow. To call someone, to I, call someone a... I think everyone's just shocked that Canadians have an insult. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, um, it's barely an insult. Oh, gosh. Uh, no, I, I don't know. That is a hooser. Stop being a hooser, eh? Oh. First don't of all, you hoser. sounded like Greg Mueller there. And no, I had no idea. Because I've he- never been called that by a Canadian. Because you're not a hoser, Maria. That's why you're you're anything but a hoser. You're and you're just a, a winner. You're a winner because right. you may have got the last two wrong, but you did go on a streak of four for four. So four out of six is a winning record. Yes. Not many people come out of one of Joe Stapleton's idiotic games with a winning record. So you should no, be proud. They do not. I really thought I was going to. I was. I should have gotten to Hotel California. I'm really disappointed in myself. I might lose sleep over this, but Maria, do not lose sleep. Continue crushing the World Series of Poker. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to try. 
Yeah, so there's a couple of things about the party that I didn't necessarily want to uh, force Maria to talk about and or listen to. First of all... (laughs) Just to download the podcast and hear it at the same time as everyone else. Yeah, that's fine. No, because it's weird to have her on the line for things that like... Because she said she came late, so there's some things that I experienced before she arrived. First of all was this whole 70s theme. And you saw, you know, we talked about the getup I was in. And I didn't realize that, I mean, I did realize, I just didn't know what a big deal was going to be, you know, that I took a cab from um, my hotel to the Cosmo, which is where the party was. And the walk from the cab stand, the cab drop-off to the actual bar where this is taking place was one of the longest walks of my life. There was a lot of pointing and snickering and whispering and I don't know what got into me that night, but like usually I like that sort of negative attention and I just wasn't into it. And so the irony is Las Vegas is full of people walking around in bizarre outfits and normally no one thinks anything of it. Yeah, but the Cosmo is like really cool and like everyone's like fucking so up their own ass really? there. Really? Still? I mean, we stayed there, what, five years ago? I mean, yeah, it was a bit up its own ass, but I thought by it now wasn't- that would have... When we stayed there, it wasn't cool yet. <laughs> Jesus. It, like, it wasn't cool yet. So, so anyway, I just felt, look, I felt really self-conscious this entire night. I don't know why. So I get there, and of course, I get there at like 9.55, because what, and the party's supposed to start at 10, because what do all the cool people do, James? They show up to a party either exactly on time or five minutes early. Agreed. And so- and so I just feel like an idiot because I'm early, but I don't want to hang out in the casino because I'm like, everyone's like, like pointing and staring at me. So I go to where the party is and I basically just throw myself on the mercy of this bar saying like, look, I know I'm early. I just, I can't be out. Like, is there somewhere I can hide? And they're like, honestly, the room's not even set up yet. Go and stand in the bar. So I went to the bar and dealt with a bunch of, and then finally, the girl from outside, the uh, the hostess, took pity on me, and she was like, "Hey, I think that some of the people are finally here." So yeah, so Katie, Katie had shown up, and this, I wasn't expecting this, but I go out and say, you know, hello, happy birthday to Katie, and Katie has brought with her seven or eight just absolutely drop dead gorgeous girls, and. I just was immediately on the back foot because, like, I was early. I was in this dumb costume, and um, it was just—I was just kind of overwhelmed. Like, I didn't know what to say. I wasn't very funny. Uh, it was just—I was like a very off night for me. And part of the reason why it was an off night for me is because there was a very awkward person from my past there. Oh. Um, yeah, so there's just a girl like an app, like a she's married now, and so everything should be fine. And there was nothing really awkward between us, but I just had like a like ten years ago, I had a really awkward date with someone who is just what I consider, and I don't say this very often, but at least at the time I considered her to be like super out of my league. And I had had a crush on this girl for super long. I didn't think she knew I existed, and I was playing in a charity tournament one time, and she came up and stood behind me and said. And like laughed at some joke I made. And I turned around, I was like, oh, hi. Oh, hello. And she was like, hey, look, I just want to tell you, like, I'm a big fan. And I think you're really, really funny. And I was like, what, really? And she's like, yeah, of course. I just think, I think you're the best. And I was like, so do you want to hang out sometime? She was like, yeah, of course I do. And I ended up, <laughs> I ended up, even though I was in LA at the time, she like texted me and she was like, I'm free tonight. Do you want to hang out? <laughs> and I said, yes. So I flew to Vegas. 
hang out with her. And so she like didn't know. She like she didn't know. Now I had been flying back and forth from Vegas, so my car was actually in Vegas at the time. But I like I wasn't supposed to be there for a couple more days, and so I I flew there and I went and picked her up at her house, and we went and had a few drinks at like a bar off the strip. And as I was sitting there, I like really started to like her. Like it wasn't just like being on a date with a hot grill. It was like, wow, this is like kind of a beautiful person. And like everything I found out about her, I was like, wow, she's like really fucking cool. Like this girl's so cool. And I kept thinking to myself, whatever you do, don't try anything tonight. Just have a good time. Don't try anything. Don't try anything. Don't try anything. Just, just like, just, just. Just focus on like continuing to have a good time and a good conversation. So about 11.30 rolls around, and she says, oh, man, I'm having such a good time. I wish it wasn't late. Like I'd really like to hang out more. It's too late to see a movie. I don't know about having you over to my place, but, man, I wish there was something we could do. And she's like, oh, you know what? I know this great spot, this great like lookout point with a great view. We should drive up there. And I was like, okay, fine let's go up there so we go up like and drive up like this windy road and park in the parking lot of a school it's this like beautiful night we have the windows rolled down and my moonroof is open we're just sitting there and listening to music and we have similar tastes in music and it's like just going super super well and i'm like don't try anything don't try anything just let it just let this let it happen what's whatever's going on now so then i drive her back back to her house and we pull up outside of her house and um I'm like, I've, I'm bound to determine that I'm not going to try anything. And so she goes to get out of the car and doesn't and then looks back at me and goes, well, this is awkward. And so I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like she's I, I had made this deal with myself. I wasn't going to try anything. And I broke the deal right then and there. And I leaned over and tried to kiss her. And when I did, she turned her head <laughs> To get out of the way. And I ended up kissing her like half on her ear, half on like the cranium bone behind the ear. Oh. And it was one of the most awkward moments of my life. At which point she had no problem finding the door handle and immediately got out of the car and was like, good night. Okay, bye. And I was like, I just sat there like in her driveway with like my head in my hands for a while. And you know what I did to make things worse, James? What did you do, Joe? I sent her a very, very long text message. Yeah. I can, from I can, the I can see you doing that. Yeah. And this wasn't the days of smartphones. This was so long ago that this was like T9 texting. So it was like and multi-part so, text. It was like yes. you know, limited to 140 characters. Here's part one of nine. Correct. And like now it's perfectly acceptable to send someone like a semi-long text. But back in those days, if you couldn't fit it into one text, you looked like a giant crazy person. Yeah. And I did. And she was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I just don't really like kiss people. I don't know that much. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then I asked her to hang out like a couple times after that. And it was always like, I'm busy. Sorry, I can't. Oh. So I literally never saw her again. She's like married now. It's fine. But she was at this party. And I think that didn't do anything to help. Your confidence. How yeah, how awkward I was already feeling and all this. Joe, having sat and listened to that anecdote from the past, I have one question. Yeah. What the fuck is a moonroof? What do you mean, Game of Thrones or something? 
No, a sunroof, a moonroof, like whatever. It's I've like, never it heard a sunroof ever referred to as a moonroof. I'm just thinking about that door in Game of Thrones with which they throw people out. <laughs> well, I I wish that I had gotten ejected out the moonroof. <laughs> that probably would have better a better ending for me. Just not not a stellar night for me overall. A lot uh, of a lot of awkwardness. Um, before we move on from this party, Joe. Um, there was one other photograph that you sent me that I think we need to discuss. A mystery guest in a yellow costume with a big curly wig. Yeah, this is pretty incredible. Um, and I'm not going to comment on it one way or another, except to report the facts, is that Jesus Ferguson was at the party. And which was what was, I mean, kind of interesting about it is that for the first time ever, I saw him not in the Jesus getup. He was actually kind of hard to identify. He didn't look a thing like Jesus. He didn't, but he talked like a gentleman. Is that the next line there? Yes. Um, yeah, he uh, he was at the party, and he's been friends with uh, the hostess for, uh, for many years, and uh, it seemed pretty chill. Nobody seemed to be giving him a hard time, and honestly... It, I think it would have been kind of rude if they did, and people have their you know have their own opinions on it or whatever. But it kind of felt like neutral ground, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of like a it was a it was a parte parlay, but it was just really interesting and kind of surreal to see him in the flesh, considering the fact that he's been gone and there's so much hate out there for him. So uh, yeah, that was a that was a very bizarre thing. I didn't have sex with Jesus either, James. <laughs> I didn't I didn't do I didn't do well with anyone at the party so oh including the girl apparently there's this uh, girl that works in poker media named uh gael jodon who um came up and said hello and i was like oh hey nice to meet you and she's like we've met before and i was like really because i feel like i would have remembered you and she's like we've actually met twice before oh joey <laughs> yeah so what's up uh je m'excuse gael i think i owe a lot of je m'excuses for that night just for awkwardness in general well, let's move swiftly on, why don't we? In fact, we are moving towards the finishing line of this week's show. But before we wrap up proceedings, let's give away some prizes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So yes, we continue to take EPT Not Live to new countries. Last week, we had a super fan from China. And this week, we go to Israel and say hello to poker journalist Robbie Straczynski. Welcome to the show, Robbie. Thank you so much, James. I wouldn't say I'm a journalist as much as a writer, but definitely a super fan, that's for sure. Well, you cover poker, so as far as I'm concerned, anyone who covers poker is a poker journalist. <laughs> Thank you. I All like right. the distinction, though. I used to make the same distinction when I uh, used to host podcasts, and we would have like a like someone from Ultimate Bet on, or like a suspected multi accounter, and they'd be like, "You weren't, you weren't hard enough on that person." And I would be like, "I'm not a journalist. <laughs> I'm an entertainer. Like I'll do what I want. Fuck off." Any journalism training? Exactly. So, Robbie, tell us what you actually do. What's your site? What's your outlets? Uh, well, you know, my, my full-time job, I work for the company that owns PokerUpdate.com and as, a, you know, as, as, as well as a number of different sites in the gambling industry. Uh, on the side, what I do, you know, my passion, I guess, it's, uh, it's my own blog. I've done it for about six and a half years or so called CardPlayerLifestyle.com. Um, I also got a podcast of my own, second best podcast out there after EPT Not Live, and I say that every time I'm interviewed on a podcast. It's called uh, Top Pair. I co-host it with Bruce.
Bruce Briggs. And I've even got a little app. Uh, it's called Poker Notes Live, which allows you to sort of like a high-tech notepad when you're playing live poker because, you know, you don't really have note-taking software like an online, but, you know, it's just like a little app and you can take notes while you're playing cards instead of have a pen and paper because, you know, we're in the... Uh, 21st century and all what sorts of bells and whistles does the app have rather than your regular notepad on your phone uh well first of all you know everyone seems to always be playing on their phone right so you know everyone looks like they're just you know um you know watching tv or texting their friend or whatever it is when in fact you're you're, you're taking notes uh whereas if you're doing it with a pen and paper everyone can see oh he's taking notes he's a nerd or like i better be careful with that guy so it's surreptitious uh also you can take a picture at least in the ios version uh we're working yes, on it in the android that's what i was hoping you can you take a picture of the guy and oh i've seen him a thousand times before in my you know local poker room um you know you know i i have my notes on him for next time so uh, of course, you can tag, uh, classify your opponents, a whole bunch of stuff like that. It seems, Robbie, that you have m many fingers in many pies. You are fully diversified and vertically integrated. That is the most, <laughs> since George Carlin's uh, up, up, uploaded and downloaded, I haven't heard uh, <laughs> great adjectives like that. I, I'm, I'm very, very into poker. I'm certainly a super fan, both on this show and just in general life, despite being, you know, many, many, many thousands of miles away from the action. Uh, but my passion is definitely, I blog, I love covering it, writing about it from different angles. Not like reporting necessarily, but just, you know, telling the great stories that are out there. And that's what we all love anyway, good stories, you know? James, but, do you remember how... How excited he was to be at the Bahamas. Yes. You, oh, my God. You really loved your time at the PCA, didn't you? It was the first poker event I had ever attended. You know, it's crazy. I'm 34 years old, been doing this for years, but I'd never been to one. Never. I mean, I'd met three professional poker players in my life, which I happened to see one in Philadelphia, one in Atlantic City, and one came here to Israel. But, like, I'd never been. So it was just like, you know, Disneyland, I guess. You know, it was amazing. And having attended your first live event in the Bahamas, Robbie, I yes. believe that you'll be attending your second in Las Vegas this summer. Yes, sir. In just a few days, I will be touching down at the World Series of Poker Monday on the 20th. I just want to soak it in. And my dad's coming with me, which is unbelievable. So I don't know if we're going to pull like a, a Chris Moneymaker with his dad, Mike Moneymaker right there or anything like that. But we're certainly going to have a good time. Well, the World Series of Poker is the subject of this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. WSOP trivia is what we have on the agenda. Um, and, Robbie, you know what's at stake here. You're playing for a 27-euro Step-C ticket because we're looking to put you on your first step of the way towards actually playing an EPT. We've also got an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt for you. The question is... and this is I didn't win yet. <laughs> I can't get a T-shirt if I didn't win yet. No, the T-shirt is like the participation award. It's oh, basically awesome. the consolation prize. But chances are you're going to win both prizes because I think you're probably <laughs> going to crush this game. That said, it is a multiple choice game. So, Joe, okay. even if you don't know the answer, and this applies to both you and Joe, you're only three to one against. Um, Thank Christ. Not Jesus Ferguson. <laughs> no, no offense, Robbie. No, none, none take it. <laughs> Superfan versus Stakes. Robbie, as you are our guest, as you are the Superfan, you have the choice whether to go first or second, whether you're going to field the odd number questions or the even number questions. 
Uh, I don't know what the GTO move is, but I'm going to let Joe go first because I'm just I'm just like that. Okay, Joe, <laughs> question number one. Remember, there will be four options. At the inaugural World Series of Poker, Johnny Moss was voted champion. What award did Jack Treetop Strauss receive? Was it best bluff of the game, most congenial participant, best table presence, or most number of hands won? Uh, am I allowed to add, it, was it a vote, the second thing? It was. Or, no, it was uh, I'm gonna go with most congenial. Is correct <laughs> for a point, and Joe, you're on the board. <laughs> That's, that's the, that, that must have been a, game, a guess. That had to be a guess. Come on. That is the only that is the only award I will ever win at the poker table. Most <laughs> congenial most participant. Robbie, your first question. Which team event ran at the World Series of Poker from 1979 to 1983? Was it the Binion Cup, Interstate Shootout, Tag Team Stud, or Mixed Doubles? Mixed doubles, that is my final answer, sir. That is correct, and there is a bonus question. The first ever mixed doubles event was won by Starley Brody and... Uh, Doyle Brunson. See, I thought you were going to say Doyle Brunson and who? No. I could have told you Starley Brody. Wow. <laughs> got to be Doyle Brunson. You've earned that bonus point. It's 2-1. Don't worry, Joe. There's a bonus question attached to your next James, question. James, who the fuck is Starley Brody? Uh, she was <laughs> she was the lady who won the mixed doubles with Doyle Brunson in 1979. How do you not know that, Joe? I didn't even know mixed doubles meant a man and a woman. At the 1982 <laughs> World Series of Poker... What were awarded to event winners instead of bracelets? Was it glass trophies, silver plaques, gold watches, or platinum rings? I gotta go with silver plaques. Silver was like a big theme at the Binion. I'm sorry, the answer was gold watches. But ah, you fact. are still eligible to get a bonus point, Joe, if you can tell me the reason for this one-year experiment. Um, because there's no clocks anywhere in Vegas, people decided they needed to have watches. Incorrect. <laughs> Robbie, I'm going to give you a chance to steal the bonus point here if you know the reason for gold watches instead of gold bracelets in 1982. Um, well, you're certainly stumped. I don't know, but I, so far I'm very happy I'm taking the even questions instead of the odd questions. <laughs> the answer was that gold bracelets were criticized for being too feminine and no one was wearing them. Huh. But they were back in 1983 and have been back ever since. So the score is still 2-1 to the superfan. And Robbie, it's your question. That's hilarious that gold bracelets were too feminine. Now everyone wears a purse. In what year? <laughs> in what year did Chinese poker make its debut at the World Series of Poker? Was it 1983, 1995, 2000, or 2014? I want to say 1983, because I think I know who won that one. I'm not sure. You may know who won it, but it wasn't in 1983. The correct answer was 1995. So still 2-1. Uh, yeah, oh and Joe, question number five, your question. You know why Chinese poker is so popular is because no matter how much of it you play, you always want to play it again an hour later. Rimshot. Wow. Joseph, which TV celebrity made two World Series of Poker final tables in the mid-1980s? 
Was it Telly Savalas, Gabe Kaplan, Norm MacDonald, or Alex Karras? Alex Karras. Incorrect. <sighs> Fuck. It was Kojak. Telly Savalas made two World Series finals in the mid-80s. That is really interesting, and I did not know that. Robbie, we're coming towards the end of the first round with question number six. Which of the following statements about the 2005 World Series of Poker main event is false? Three of them are true, one of them is false. Okay. Most of the tournament was played at the Rio, with the final two days held at Binion's. There were more than 1,000 PokerStars qualifiers in the field. Andy Black came into the final table as chip leader. James Hartigan nearly lost his media credentials after upsetting a member of the ESPN crew. <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, well, the first one I know is true. Um, I know Andy Black made the final table. I don't remember if he was the chip leader. He said the, the, the second one is that more than a thousand qualifiers were from PokerStars Poker specifically. In 2005, um, I know most of those companies. Hmm, that sounds like it's one second. This is Joe Hashem. This is uh, wow. There's there's, some, there's a lot of there's a lot of thought going into this. No, because I I, I want to guess the James Hardigan one. I got but it just also sounds like it's true. And what was what was B one more time? Sorry. There were more than one thousand PokerStars qualifiers in the field. I'm gonna guess that one. I, I think that there were, but all the other ones seem true. So I'm gonna guess B. Well, I can tell you that there were actually 1,025 PokerStars qualifiers in the field, so that was true. I can no also... way Andy Black had the chip lead. Andy Black was second in chips, I believe, to Aaron Cantor. That was the one that was false. Sadly, I did oh. nearly lose my media credentials. It went to appeal <laughs> after a member of the ESPN crew got very upset about my microphone wandering into his shot. Uh, so at the end of the first round, it's 2-1 to Robbie. Here's where you can even the score, Joe, as we move on to November 9th. And Joe, I want you to say Shit. A, B, C, or D. C. Okay. Joe, I want you to think back to the 2008 World Series of Poker, and I want you to name as many members of the inaugural November 9 as you can. You will get a point for everyone you can name, but as soon as you say the name of someone who was not at that final table, your round ends. Let me just say, I love this format. This is a great... I actually pitched this format as the game show one time, and I had an option, but nobody wanted to buy it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jerry Yang. And there the game ends. Jerry Yang actually made the 2007 World Series of Poker final table, so you score no points. Robbie, you have, <laughs> I believe, A, B, and D available to you. <laughs> I guess I'll go with A. A. 2012. How many members of the 2012 November 9 can you name? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I believe the gentleman who won it was P.S. Hines. Hines. And already we end that one. 2011 was <laughs> P.S. Hines. Greg Merson was the champion in 2012. Oh, shit. Joe? We have B and D available. B is in my babies. Okay, Joe. 2009. How members of the 09, November 9, can you name? Joe Catter. Correct for a point. Darwin oh, no. Moon. Correct for a point. 
Phil Ivy. Correct for a point. Um. Um. God damn it! What was the other guy's name? Eric. Mm -hmm. oh. Eric. I don't know how I can take a guess at this without offending Robbie. <laughs> Eric Schlosserbergstein. No, it was actually Eric Buckman. <laughs> the others you could have had were Antoine Sayut, Jeff Schulman. Steve Begleiter, Kevin Schaffel, and James Aikenhead. But Joe, I definitely should have gone for Schaffel next. You got three out of nine, and that means you have now taken the lead. The score is four-two with one round to play. Uh, you are left with Robbie the 2015 yes. World Series of Poker main event final table, the most recent November nine. And if you can name three of that November nine, you've won the game. All right. Well, we've got. Uh, well, this is last year, right? So this is uh, Joe McKean, the winner. Correct for a point. Uh, okay, Neil Blumenfeld. Correct for a point. You need one more, yeah. and it's over. Oh, uh, I'm gonna win it with my man Pierre Noville. Correct. And I'm sure you could name many more, but you don't need to. You've won Superfan versus Stapes with your knowledge of World Series of Poker Trivia. Amazing. You have won the Stepsy ticket worth 27 euros. We're also going to ship you an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and congratulations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being, you know, having been given the opportunity. Wish you guys an amazing summer break. I know this is your last episode for a while. We've got so one, more means, you know, my name one more after this. One more after this. Ah, uh, one more after this. But I also have to say about the previous episode, number 50, Joe, I learned amazing strategy tip to get the food coupon there and bust first. That was awesome. <laughs> I loved also, it. Also, I, don't table your hand when you're all in. Don't forget about that one. Exactly. Exactly. If I could just plug, you know, if anyone uh, wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Card Player Life, and you're all, all welcome to check out my blog, Card Player Lifestyle. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Thank you, Robin. Have a good time at the World Series. All right, guys. Well, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. And James, if I'm not mistaken, next week is our last show for the summer. Yes. As I reminded Mr. Straczynski, we have one more to go before the summer break. Uh, possibly we will be joined by Lex Veldhaus from Team PokerStars Pro Online because Lex has been doing a lot of streaming on Twitch. He's been dropping a lot of Omaha knowledge bombs recently, but he is on <laughs> vacation. So we're hoping that he can fit us into his holiday time. Um, um, this whole life's a vacation. Seriously, fuck that. <laughs> also, our super fan for next week is the guy who is trying to steal our jobs. We've referenced this a couple of times. A guy down under called James Day who recorded some poker commentary of his home game, put it on YouTube, and we are not only going to have him on as the super fan and test him on his specialist subject, Joe, we're also going to break down that video and offer him some constructive criticism. Constructive and or it unconstructive criticism. James, I promised him an extra prize. Um, and I'm happy to provide the prize myself, but just, you know, since you may be mailing it out, maybe there's a deck of cards, something we can send him. Unfortunately, so when we were working out when we were doing this show, um, he was like, yeah, what is it, mate? And I was, because he's Australian, he just sends everything with mate. <laughs> and I told him, I go, dude, look at the above. I was like, are you drunk? Look at the above conversation. It was mentioned. And he was like, oh, I didn't think it was that clear. And the thing is, I was being a dick to him, telling him that he was on today's show. 
And about an hour before the show today, I was like, oh, man, I'm such an idiot. I was wrong, and I was being a dick to you about it and like just being really short, and I feel like so stupid. So I promise you an additional prize next week when you come on the show. So sorry, James. Uh, me being a douche to people on social media has been us this time. Uh, how, many, how many weeks are we off for? It's a six-week summer vacation, just like last year. Perfect. Okay, so also coming up next week, I am going to put a weight loss uh, slash dietary challenge on myself. Um, I've been gaining weight and just drinking and eating and not exercising for like the better part of like three or four months. And I want to put it out there to the audience so that way I'm held accountable. Next week, I'm going to do some sort of weight loss diet thing. If anybody wants to join in, it's fine. But I'm hoping, not hoping, I'm doing this so that in the six weeks we are off, you will see a significant change or I'm going to be really, really embarrassed. Like I'm going to have told everyone in the world I'm going to do this and then I'm going to fail at it. So we have that to look forward to next week as well as uh, maybe ripping this kid a new one for trying to steal our jobs. <laughs> All right. So that's what's coming up next week. And that you're going to have to get while the getting's good because we are done after that for six whole weeks. We're all out of time for this week. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.